Hello and welcome to episode two of the new season of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Stanziel. Chris, we survived episode one. You know, it was a little rusty. There were some technical difficulties that we had to overcome. We were doing a little sound check before this and uh, you sound good. How do I sound? Oh, you sound great, Eugene. I, I have to say that setting up the other day's podcast, uh, it took longer than expected. It might have taken longer than the actual show itself, but, you know, we got through. The cobwebs are off and uh, ready to get rolling. And we got this exhibition coming up Friday night. Tuesday's episode, I honestly, first I was like, did, did I forget how to set this up? And then a little research, and then it was like, oh, Google had just completely shut down its service without any notice. But here we are. We got a new software. We got some new stuff to work with. And honestly, it's, it's been working out pretty well so far. Uh, listeners at home, if you have any issues with the audio or anything like that, please feel free to let us know. Sound off on Twitter. Email us, DM us, whatever you need to do to get the word out there. But we're excited because, yeah, as you mentioned, we got that exhibition game coming up on Friday night. Now, there are a couple issues with it. In one, it's going to be at 11 p.m. on a Friday night. And also, it's cool because, you know, we're going to see the Wildcats go up against some competition. Like, it's not going to be them playing against each other. It's going to be some live competition. It's going to be for a great cause. But it's just an exhibition. Do you think it'll be enough to hold us over until November? I think so, especially with the freshmen coming in and just to see how this whole new look team looks. This will be enough. It'll be exciting because USC also has uh, some talented freshmen coming in as well. So it'll just be a good game to watch. It, it get us back into the swing of things. We're, we're dying for some basketball, and we're going to get that. A very, very mild appetizer of it, but we're getting it. Yeah, and it's going to be healthy because, you know, we can overanalyze those three 10-minute scrimmages until the end of time, at least for like a month. But at least with this, we're going to get some game-like conditions. It's going to be more of a better barometer, better way to gauge to see where everyone's at going into the end of preseason and the start of the regular season. We got to find a way, though, to get on that Pac-12 network because I definitely don't have it. I don't have any contacts in Cali who can be kind enough to link us, but uh, there's, there's going to be a couple barriers to overcome in order to watch this game. Yeah, wouldn't be the first time that we played USC and it was an incredibly tough game to find on some television or streaming service. If uh, you remember correctly, the last time we played USC was uh, Battle for Atlantis. And that was on a network with three letters I don't remember uh, the arrangement of. No one could find that game. And it was you just hope that they looked good and that the score, when you checked ESPN or whatever sports service you wanted to use at the time, read that Villanova won the game. It's funny that these teams meet and no one can ever watch. Yeah, at least on the East Coast. On the West Coast, they should be fine. But I do remember that battle for Atlantis game because that was right before the Kansas game. Of course, we had that feeling we were going to play Kansas, but you need to take care of your opposition before you actually get the shot at the Jayhawks and Andrew Wiggins and all them. And yeah, I don't remember the network at all. It definitely was important. And this was before the battle for Atlantis was as big as it is now where like ESPN had a monopoly over it. But I'm glad times have changed. Unfortunately, I don't know how we're going to get the Pac-12 network out here. We're going we're gonna to have to send our IT people in on that. But about this game, we got a lot of things to look forward to here. First of all, with no Colin Gillespie and no Brian Antoine, as we briefly discussed last time out, this is going to mean more for Justin Moore. Chris, can you just walk us through here? What can we expect from this backcourt? What are we looking at from this game? Because that's going to be a heavy point of emphasis here. Not only what Justin Moore can do, but what some of the newcomers can do. We might even see some Chris Arch, maybe some more Sadiq Bay, a point forward. But 
what are you looking forward to in looking at this backcourt and seeing how it might work without Gillespie and without Antoine? Yeah, you kind of refer to it that you will be seeing some of Chris Archie Diacono, probably more than you will see him in the regular season in total, unless something horrifically goes wrong. Uh, Brendan kind of gave us a little bit of an insight last episode into that saying, you know, maybe a rotational player at best during his career. And I kind of agree with that assessment, but in this game, he's going to have his time to shine for sure. It's an exhibition. He's going to, they're going to want to see what he looks like out on the court, especially as freshman. And obviously with more, it's going to be intriguing for sure. Uh, it's going to be, I guess, a learning experience for both the freshman and for Jay to see how the freshmen respond to a game situation, a very young backcourt, in, in fact. And with Gillespie not being ready until the beginning of the regular season, these guys are going to get their opportunities. So they got to take advantage to at least earn some playing time. I mean, I think more, we'll, we'll definitely see more of more during the regular season. But for Archie Diacono, it's definitely going to be like that. It's definitely going to be an opportunity for him to shine and to hopefully maybe work his way into the rotation toward the end. Not that I can see that happening, but it's at least a shot. And then we kind of referred to it last episode as well. Sadiq Bey, he might, we might even see some point forward, and I would love to see that. I know you referred to him as Giannis, jokingly, but it would be pretty cool to see how he runs the whole show. And Brendan was really, really high on him last episode. And, you know, he had a great freshman year and I want to see him expand on that. But if he can really, if he can run the point, I mean, sky's the limit for this dude. So I'm I'm intrigued to see that, at least from the backcourt standpoint. Yeah. And especially with that conversation that, you know, we briefly touched upon last time, this is a guy who can potentially be in that NBA conversation in a couple of years. And if you can add that playmaker asset to your game, to your profile, the NBA loves that. You know, it's all about positionless basketball nowadays and the ability to be a guy that can play a variety of different positions, do a variety of things. A tweener heaven right now. How about the rest of the team? What are you looking forward to to get out of the most from this exhibition? Obviously, everyone wants to see what the freshmen are going to bring to the table, what the young guns are going to do. Let's see what these guys look like right out of the gate. You know, JRE, Moore. We're going to see some C. Arch. We're going to see some of Eric Dixon. But what are you looking to get out of this overall? What are you hoping to see? Hoping to see a, a pretty good offense return to its uh... – one's elite form. I mean, we had a good offense last year for sure, um, but that was run basically through two players and they are now gone. So I'm intrigued to see how the offense is going to be run. Who is it going to be run through? Is it going to be run through Jermaine? Is it going to be run through Sadiq Bay? Is it going to go inside to DCR? Are the freshmen going to run the show? I have no idea how they're going to work. Are the sophomores going to work their way into it? Is Cole Swider's intergalactic range going to finally show up on the score sheet? I have no idea. And it's pretty obvious that a lot of us just don't know what to expect from this team. At least I don't. And I think this exhibition is going to be a glimpse into that. Personally, I would love to see Swider show off his range and start hitting some threes because there's, it would just open up so many options for this team. If he's able to stretch the floor and hit some big time threes this year. And he did last year for, there were a couple, but not as much as you would have liked. So we're hoping for more this year. And then I just, I kind of want to see Jermaine Samuels just do his thing. I want to see Jermaine become big game Jermaine every day, day in and day out. And I want to see how, if he can take that next step. We've always said, and he's not necessarily the center like Ochefu was and where we kind of said like that year from his sophomore to junior year was probably his biggest development year. But I want to see that with Jermaine. I want to see if this from sophomore to junior year, if this could be his biggest developmental year and take that next step to become an elite player in the big East and maybe even the country. So and we'll see 
this would be the first step of, of that process. Totally. I agree with you on that offense. Like I am very curious to see what the rotations are going to look like. I know Gillespie is not going to be able to play, so we won't get to see where he fits in with everybody else officially, at least yet. But I do want to see what the identity of this team is going to be. Is it going to be the veteran junior trio in DCR, Samuels, Gillespie, Bay, who's a sophomore? Or is it going to be a youth movement with JRE, Antoine, once he's healthy, more early? And I'm very curious to see what these rotations are going to look like, how the different pieces are going to fit in with each other. If you thought that there was a lot of experimentation at the beginning of last year, I think we're going to see even more jumbled up lineups, lots of different combinations out there on the floor and that's perfectly fine if there's one thing that we learned from last year was patience right after those early losses to Furman to Penn everyone was ready to panic and then you know you go into the fog and you some people thought we were going to be obliterated we lost but it was one of those and I you know exactly exactly It, it helped us learn it helped us grow and then you saw what the product looked like towards the end of the year in the big east in the postseason with the Big East tournament, getting that three-peat. Fortunately, it didn't go as far in the NCAA tournament, but there's going to be a lot of shifting around early on that I'm, you know, as someone who just likes to analyze stats and just sit down there and just see how these different pieces fit in and work with each other, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. And this is the time to do it before anything officially counts. For sure. On the flip side, I kind of want to look at the defensive end too and see how everybody responds to that. We even saw it last year with Phil and Eric, that they would sometimes get lost on defense, maybe on a switch or two uh, throughout the game. And you really didn't expect that at all. But we also saw it from the freshmen at the time. We saw it from the sophomore class, too. I want to see this year all these new freshmen and this still really young team, if this team is going to hold up defensively as well with the rotations, with the switches, how is it going to look? It terrifies me right now because I feel like we're going to see a lot of freshmen slash rookie mistakes. At, at least at first, but like you said, patience. Let's see if they're able to develop and able to learn a defensive system. And I think that's where it's going to be make or break for this team. We can talk about the offense all we want. And as much as, as uh, and as excited as I am to see a new offense uh, personnel wise, I want to see how they respond to that system. But I, I think the defense is going to be make or break for this team. And with a young team, it's going to be very difficult. I think at first to kind of get a, groove going on the defensive side of the ball yeah and that's another thing too like I remember when talking to Phil Booth and Eric Pascal as much as everyone's all about shoot them up sleep in the streets and everyone looks at the three-pointers and that in 2018 when they set the record of three-pointers made uh, throughout a whole season when, when I talked to those guys you know they said oh that's nice but if anything's most important it's defense and we definitely saw that last year because you know even when the shots aren't falling there were some games where during the national championship runs where Nova locked in defensively and just took care of business. Last year, we saw how ugly it could be when the defense is not prepared. And we saw that against Michigan when they just got wrecked in the pavilion. I don't think we're going to see as badly of a result like that this year. And I hope not because that was, that was real hard to watch. Yeah. But I am expecting some issues early, but I also want to see, can the freshmen pick it up? Like how fast do they learn things? How fast can they look comfortable on the floor? Because with last year's batch, you know, it was a combination of letting Phil and Eric lead the way while curtailing the freshmen. But this year, the freshmen are definitely going to get 
a looser leash just because there, there are not enough bodies to go around and there's a lot of minutes to replace. Yeah, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's, it's going to be in, intriguing to see who picks it up faster. Because, like, let's say, like, Jerry just struggles defensively. Let's say he isn't able to pick it up. Does that mean Dixon – and Dixon is, is, is able to pick it up quickly. Does that mean he's going to start getting more minutes than him? I, I, I'm not suggesting that is going to happen. But I'm just it, – it'll be interesting to see if, like, maybe if a guy picks it up a little quicker than the other, they'll get more playing time. And we all know that Jay likes to go with the safe bet. And he likes – he has his favorites when it comes on the defensive side of the ball. And he's going to trust guys who are able to pick up the system faster. So even though Jerry might be more, quote-unquote, more talented than Dixon or any of the other freshmen, whoever picks it up quicker might earn more playing time. As we saw with Sadiq Bey last year, like this guy picked it up in a flash. Right. Yeah, perfect example. Even though going in all the preseason, lots of people thought, you know, if you looked at the freshman, like which freshman was going to be the biggest contributor, everyone looked at the five-star guy in the preseason freshman of the year, like Javon Quinterly. And we all know how that turned out. You know, it was, it was the unheralded guy versus the All-American Jelly guy. Who knows what happens this year? I think with it being a young team, I think there's going to be more room for mistakes. And honestly, with this roster, I, I'm actually curious to see how Jay deals with it. He's had that safety blanket. I shouldn't say safety blanket, but he usually relies on the older guys. Yeah. Year in and year out, you knew who were going to be the go-to guys. Who was the guy that you could look to to – lead the way in a pressure situation? Who's the guy that you could go to if you needed a bucket? Who's the guy that you know that if you put him on somebody, he can shut him down? This time around, there's going to be a lot of moving parts, and there's going to be a lot of interchangeable thing, and we're going to have a lot of different freshmen who they're very talented coming out of high school. I'm sure a lot of it, some of it, is going to carry over to the collegiate level. So I want to see how Jay deals with this because I think this will be a pretty interesting challenge for him in having such a, a young team. I think this is probably the youngest he's had in, in a while. Real long time. I can't even think of the last time they didn't have any form of senior on the team. But yeah, I kind of hinted at it before that it's not only is it a learning experience for the players, it's a learning experience for Jay. Like you said, he hasn't had a team this young and he and the quote-unquote safety blankets are gone. He's got he's going to have to maybe make a decision he normally wouldn't. He's going to have to play freshman in spots that he normally wouldn't. And we all saw last year when we were clamoring for JQ to go in, he would deferred to Gillespie and you know most, most of the time it was the right call but you, you know when you're trying to look forward to the future of the team you kind of want to get JQ in there or you wanted to get any freshman in there and get the minutes in but now that the safety blanket is gone with Phil and Eric who is he going to turn to so it'll be it'll be intriguing on both on both sides on the core and the for the coaches too. Also, but this year, you know, it just seems a little more fun. Like last year, there were a lot of question marks, but this year it seems a little more fun because of the potential in the youth that there could oh, be a higher ceiling. Oh, for sure. This team has a much higher ceiling than last year, although much lower floor. I mean, you knew what you were getting. You knew, you knew what you were getting last year. You knew Phil and Eric, you're going to, you're only yeah. going to go as far as they could take you. Uh, obviously. They, I mean, they carried, pretty, they carried a lot. They did. <laughs> that's, that's for sure. And but you you had a great supporting cast too, uh, but it, a lot of it was focused on development, and it wasn't really so much that they can you know kind of take over a game yet. So, but they, this year that, that the roles are going to get switched up, and we'll we'll see. And if everyone hits on all cylinders, this team's going to be looking really freaking good. But if maybe they struggle, but it's very possible they might struggle out of the gate just because they're so young and, and new to the whole thing. Exactly. And once we go through our annual non-conference episode and then our conference play episode. 
everyone's going to see that we still have pretty high hopes for this team. It's just more right now. It's just like a morbid curiosity of what it's just going to look like because, you know, outside of four guys, there wasn't a single returning player that averaged more than 10 minutes last year of playing time per game. So it's going to look very different. There's a lot of different roles to fill in, lots of empty gaps to have people step up and fill in. So it's going to be interesting. It's going to be real interesting. So let's turn away from this team and what we're looking for. What's the rundown? What's the skinny on USC? This is a team, like you said, we haven't seen since the Battle for Atlantis in 2013, 2014. And that was the first year where Andy Enfield came over from Dunk City, Florida Gulf Coast. It was a rough first year for him, and he did get that loss to Nova. But since then, it seems like he's starting to pick things up. I know last year was a little rough, but he's had a, a few 21 seasons. A little problem with the law. <laughs> little people in their bag a little too much. But uh, what's the rundown on this team? Because, you know, just like Nova and how they're bringing in a lot of new guys, it looks like USC is bringing in a ton of newcomers too. They are. Uh, just similar to Villanova, they also have two top 20 recruits, according to ESPN. So say what you will about the recruiting thing, but I'm using their rankings here. Isaiah Mobley, five-star recruit at a Rancho Christian School in California. And also Onyeka Nkongwu, also another five-star. One's Mobley's a power forward. Kongwu's a center. They're supposed to be fantastic. I mean, Eugene, you could probably speak more to their abilities than I. I know. I think you actually ended up talking to a Kongwu before. If if you uh, want to go into that later, you can probably explain a little bit more about him. But they're supposed to be really, really good. They also have another top sixty recruit, and Max Agbank Polo. I'm trying to sound out phonetically sound out his name because it is weird little funky. He's also from California. He's rated 56 on ESPN. He's as a four-star recruit. So they're kind of in the same boat as Villanova in terms of freshman class. Really good, really, really good class. If you want to look at to last year's team, didn't do so hot. Finished the year 16 and 17 overall, 8 and 10 in the conference. They were able to win one game in the Pac-12 tournament, beating Arizona, and then eventually ended up losing to Washington. Looking at their schedule last year, doesn't look like they played much of anybody. They did play in the fifth-ranked Nevada back in December, and they ended up losing by 12. I didn't watch a second of that game, so I can't even tell you how it went. They did end up losing their leading scorer last year in Benny Boatwright, but they are returning some key players in Nick Rakovich, Jonah Matthews. That's the lowdown on that if you want to go into the freshman a little bit more because I know you're pretty familiar with them. If we thought Nova was bringing in a lot of new guys, USC is bringing in six freshmen plus Two graduate transfers, so that's a total of eight new guys on this roster. They're relying on a, on their core group of returners, like you said, like uh, Rakasevich and, and Matthews. I also want to give a little shout-out to Elijah Weaver. Uh, he was a point guard that Nova was actually in the running for for a while. Nova went cold on him. He eventually found his way to USC. He's going to go be a sophomore. But, you know, I know everyone likes to clamor for backcourt minutes and who could have been and, you know, what if we had, like, Courtney Ramey or – Elijah Weaver instead, like how different it would look. But, you know, we're actually going to go up against a former Nova target in Weaver. But uh, as for this freshman class, yeah, you know, as you mentioned, Mobley and Okongwu, those are the main guys. You know, they're both five-star guys, both very talented. I had the pleasure of watching them both in the Adidas gauntlet on the AAU circuit for Compton Magic. They're both really, really good. Okongwu, he's just one of those old-school bruiser big men, and I think that's going to be a great test for Jeremiah Robinson Earl, as well as Jermaine Samuels, as well as DCR. I think that's going to be a nice front-court test going up against someone like him because he's just one of those very physical guys. 
grab a board, finish inside through traffic over either shoulder. And and I think that old school type of toughness, it's going to be a nice little test because he's going to want to prove himself too to Enfield. And then you look at Mobley. He's someone who he's a 6'11 power forward or 6'10 power forward, but he can do a little of everything. When I saw him, as I dropped last time out on the last episode, I love my versatile players. I love the Giannis Antetokounmpo-esque type of players. He is someone like that. He's got the length. He can drive inside. He can rebound. He can assist. He can play point guard. He was playing point guard for that Compton Magic team, leading them to a title in the Adidas Gauntlet when they were in New York. And he was just phenomenal. Just the way that he can run the floor, play aggressive defense, get some rebounds, set up his teammates, but also get his when he wants to call his own number and just lower his shoulder and finish at the basket or just knock down those mid-range shots. You think of like what the matchups are going to look like because he's definitely going to get a lot of burn early. Same with Okongwu. And I think that's going to be a nice early test for the freshman. I can see him going up against someone like Bay or Samuels being matched up against those guys. Swider, you know, I know you mentioned you want to see his intergalactic range. I want to see what his foot speed and lateral quickness looks like. Same with Slater, but you know, just with his size and length, I, I can see him being matched up with more of the front court guys. Uh, very intriguing, very intriguing team. Also looking for an identity. Also looking forward to lots of roster turnover. So it should be a, a pretty interesting exhibition. I think both sides, granted, you know, it's not going to be a, an end of the world if Villanova loses just because it is a preseason exhibition. But this will be the first real live look to for both of these teams, you know, instead of beating each other up or uh, scrimmaging against each other in practice. You know, the lights are going to be on. People are going to be watching. It's going to be on TV. Unfortunately, most of the East Coast might be out and about or going to sleep. But for the diehard Nova Nationers, I'm sure they're going to be finding a way to get on that Pac-12 network. Yeah, and if you do, you'll definitely see a, a shootout for uh, between two really good freshman classes. I got to say. It's this is this is cool. I guess this is a really good scrimmage in just more ways than one. Obviously, you have it's it's for a good cause, but obviously the the basketball aspect of it, like you're right. These are two teams trying to find their identity, and no better perfect way than to do it against a team trying to find out the same thing. So it'll be fun. It should be fun. Also, fun fact about Mobley, Isaiah Mobley, his brother Evan Mobley, number one recruit in the 2020 class according to ESPN, and he is also committed to USC. And Eugene, I think you told me off air that their dad is on the coaching staff. Am I, am I correct in that? Yeah, he's an assistant coach. And when I when I tweeted out my little interview with Mobley, he was all over it and uh, helped helped me get get the brand out there on the West Coast. Help me help me get some uh, presence there. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Good to see you're going from coast to coast, Eugene. Nice <laughs> throw back to your your blocking days there. So even if USC were to lose a guy or two to the NBA, I'm not I'm not sure if any of these guys will go pro immediately or whoever's graduating, whatever. They have plenty of backup coming in next year too. So USC might be on the up and up. Yeah, and just one last thing, you know, on USC, uh, Raksevich, while he was the the top returning scorer and rebounder from last year, almost a double double guy. It's going to be interesting to see if he's still going to be the go to guy given the incoming talent of Mobley and Okongwu. So uh, we're, we're going to see what this identity of this Trojan team looks like. It, it's, it's hard to get a true scout just because they also have a lot of new pieces, and we're not sure what Enfield's thinking over there on the West Coast. But uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's, as I mentioned, it's going to be this Friday night, tomorrow night, at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. For some of you, it might be bedtime. 
For others of you, you're probably going to be staying up, watching at home. And then uh, there's going to be a third that's going to be out and about trying to stream it on their phone. So uh, good luck trying to get a link. Uh, given the SB Nation rules, we cannot provide one unless it's illegal. But uh, I'm sure I'm sure at this point, everyone's got their contacts. Everyone's got that guy who can, yeah. who can spot him a link <laughs> at this point. So before we move on to questions, we just got to talk football for a minute here. It's a bye week, and we had no plans on talking about football because it was a bye week. They don't play until next Saturday when they come back home to play Stony Brook for homecoming. But there was a huge bombshell last, yesterday. Yesterday afternoon, Justin Covington hopped on the Twitter sphere, wrote a very nice note. It was nice because you saw the passion, but it wasn't so nice because you saw what he was announcing, and he announced that he had torn his ACL. Now, for Justin Covington, he was killing it until that William & Mary game at 53 yards and a touchdown, but then he was pulled from the game early in the first quarter with what was originally reported as an ankle injury, but it turns out to be an, actually an ACL. A week and a half later, we now have the truth. We now know the extent of that injury, and he is gone for the rest of the season. Chris, this injury bug, man. You know, I thought this was it. I thought this was going to be the year. Third third year for Mark Fronte. Third time the charm. We're not going to get that injury jinx, but here it is again, finding its way. And and while it's very unfortunate that this happened to him, I hope this is the last one. Yeah, I hope so too. He was absolutely killing it this year. Uh, 727 yards on the year, three touchdowns on 90 carries up until this point. You mentioned that he was having a pretty good game against William & Mary, a game that Villanova ended up winning 35-28. But because of this injury, he was he had to miss the James Madison game this past week. And as a result, Villanova ended up losing. Not sure not having him there was the direct cause of the loss. But Villanova's run game was not good, to say the least, against James Madison. Granted, granted, James Madison does have a pretty good run defense. It's uh, one of the top in the country. His presence there would just uh, change the whole game plan. And you never know, maybe Villanova goes in there and pulls off the upset. But it's, it's absolutely heartbreaking to see that. And also to make a little bit of a basketball connection. What, what is with this? I feel like every uh, – didn't Antoine's uh, injury, wasn't that misdiagnosed? Two, it wasn't by the Villanova doctors. I guess it was by the, his high school doctors. And then he comes to Villanova, and then they're like, oh, yeah, your injury is like a lot worse than it is. But then here you have Covington. It's like, oh, it's an ankle injury. You're thinking maybe a couple weeks at that point. But then it ends up being a complete season ender. And, like, now he's got to go through really gruesome rehab. That's just awful. I feel real bad. Yeah, and, I, and I'm starting to think that, you know, Ferrante took a, a page out of the Jay Wright mental games playbook because leading up to the James Madison game, he was like, oh, it's going to be a game time decision. We're not sure yet. So I'm thinking maybe he wanted to keep not announce it or not tip anything off to the Dukes so that they could change their strategy expecting Covington. And then, you know, obviously showing up to the game and being like, oh, okay, he's not playing. But yeah, here we are just a, a few days after the James Madison loss. And now the cat's out of the bag unfortunate bit of news for Covington because he was real exciting to watch, you know, just a, a great combo of speed and strength. And we're going to have to see what this underclassman group here, that what they can do at running back, because now we're going to see more TD, Io, Durajaye, more Jalen Jackson, more Ray Pringle. So it's going to be very interesting to see what the, you know, how the underclassmen and the young guys can pick up the slack because they, while they were doing the running back by committee, you knew that Covington was a guy. You know, you needed a first down. You need a big play. He can provide that. And I think what made the Villanova offense so great this year is not only Daniel Smith coming in from Campbell and continuing to bring his success to the main line, but just 
having Covington around to set up that run game, set up that balance. Now that balance isn't really there, and we saw, you know, is this what it's going to look like? Granted, James Madison is James Madison. They've been kind of like the gold standard of the CAA the last few years. But hopefully that was just a one-time deal and that the young guys can pick it up moving forward. They got an extra week to prepare when it comes to Stony Brook, but you can only hope for the best, right? For sure, and they're definitely going to have to pick it up and do a little bit better than they did against James Madison to keep up this uh, pretty damn good start, 6-1. and one. It would it'd be pretty impressive if, they're, if these guys are able to come in and at least somewhat replicate the production that Covington was having. And just back to Covington for a bit, a little heartbreaking too because he is a redshirt junior, so he does have next year left as one year left of eligibility. But, and I mean, I don't know how fast you could come back from the ACL injury. I know guys in the NFL, they, they're ready by next year, even if they get hurt in like November. They're ready to come back for training camp. But I really hope he's able to come back and come back with a vengeance too because and is actually able to play out his senior year and doesn't have to wait back like wait a year like it used to be. I feel like with ACL injuries, it was a guaranteed 12-month recovery. Hope he's back and hope he's uh, ready to take the league by storm next year. But Villanova this year, hopefully the running back by committee is able to step up and uh, they're able to close out the season uh, on the same way they started on a really hot note. This offense was a juggernaut, a complete juggernaut. Not being able to see it at its full strength is always unfortunate. When it's a season ender, that's always tough. That's always real tough. Especially, you know, it just seemed like no one was going to be able to stop them. And it's just unfortunate because now you have Cummington out and then Amin Black, the sophomore linebacker, he's also out with an ACL injury. So you just got to hope that this is it. Like the, the line in the sand is drawn. You know, the injury gods or the football gods stopped smiting this team because it's been it's been real rough the last few years and I think that this year you know Franze was was thankful for this hot start because it, he was able to finally show and the team was able to finally show the program was able to finally show what a Villanova Wildcat team can look like at full strength and remind everyone you know we were contending for a CAA title for a while I know we've been out for the last couple of years just completely depleted but then it looked like wow they were back to the top shock in the world well, it's that time of the day where we pop open the mailbag, stop what we're doing, and answer the questions that you, the listeners out there, have sent to us. As always, you can tweet us at SONNPod, or you know, tweet one of us directly, and it'll find its way over to us. The message will not be lost. We got a couple questions here. Last time we had a bunch, but we're going to start off with Big Christo. He wants to know, is a national championship run this year realistic, or should we start looking towards next year's run? Chris. Mm-hmm. What do you think? This guy is swinging, swinging for the fences early. I like it. As we sit here on October 17th, I think it's a little bit ambitious right now. I've kind of resigned myself to this year being a trend, not a transition year, because that wouldn't imply the team isn't good. But I'd say a developmental year. Like this is the year where everybody works out the kinks and gets a little bit better. And then next year, that's when everyone goes crazy and everyone loses their minds and you know we're replicating 2018 type things like that would be ideal they can still make a run no doubt about it I mean any team really could and if this team if a lot of things go their way I absolutely believe this team can make a deep run in the NCAA tournament but to sit here right now not even knowing what the starting lineup is to say that they're going to make a national championship run I think it's a little little bit ambitious, but I'm not saying it can't happen. What, what, what do you think? Yeah, so uh, a lot of it's going to depend on who's back. You know, do we see any one-and-dones, or are there going to be two-and-dones? But uh, as of right now, 
assuming that everyone comes back next year, I would think that the ceiling for next year is a lot higher than this year. I think this year they should still be pretty solid. I, I don't, I'm not freaking out too much. Like, it seems like everyone wants to knock off Nova, and by everyone I mean the, the doubters, you know, obviously, Nova Nationers. We're, we're going to be get, we're getting up for this team. Like, we're, we're, we're bleeding blue and white till we die. But, you know, you see that the, the Big East preseason poll doesn't have Nova on there. A couple of guys are thinking, oh, Nova's a little too young this year. But uh, I think we're just going to wait and see. I do think that the ceiling for next year would be higher, assuming everyone would come back. But I, I think that Nova should be able to make some noise. Like, I, if everyone's able to progress on schedule and this team picks things up in the second half of the season like they did last year, I, you know, there's no reason to see why they wouldn't make the second weekend at least. But even Jay Wright, you know, I don't even think – it's funny because someone actually asked him a similar question at Big East Media Day, and I'm pulling up the quotes right now, the transcripts, and someone asked him, you know, what you think of 2016-18? Did you think that those were national championship teams and what's the vibe you have now? And he was just like, honestly, I, I didn't even think either of those teams were national championship team, uh, winning teams at the beginning of the year. So you, you honestly never know. Uh, here's the quote. You look at both of those teams at the beginning of the year, and I don't know if anyone predicted us at the beginning of the year, but I certainly wasn't thinking those teams were national championship caliber teams. Even in 16, we hadn't won yet. We, we'd been to a Final Four in the past, so we don't know what a national championship team is. In 18, we knew what one was, but I still didn't think we were one. I thought we were a little too young. We didn't have any seniors on that team, like this year's team. So what we learned is you have to go through the year, See how good you could be by the end. And the common denominator was that they were completely different offensive teams, but defensively, they were very, very similar. We did get to a point defensively where I think we were the best defensive team in the country, end quote from Jay Wright. So, Chris, you know, you want to see the defense. Jay wants to see the defense. Mm -hmm. So maybe we'll just have to see what happens, play our cards early, and then uh, see what kind of run we can make at the end. Hopefully, Jay Wright answered your question, Big Christo. The second question is from Alberto Jay. He wants to know, will GQJ allow his freshman a longer leash than last year? Yeah, I guess we kind of talked about this already, sort of. But I think he's going to have to by default or else he's going to have no, no, no players. <laughs> like it's, it's, you're going to run out of roster spots. And unless he falls in love with one guy, like you're not going to have any form of rotation if you don't. So I, I have to believe he does. And I, think, and I think last year he knew, just tried to squeeze every last minute out of the upperclassmen and Phil and Eric and whoever. But I think this year, I think he kind of also realizes that it is going to be an extremely young team and he's got to let these guys figure it out for themselves or else they'll never figure it out. So I think he has to give them a longer leash. And if he doesn't, I don't know what to, what to expect from this team, but he absolutely has to. And I think he will. I think he will. I think he realizes it. He was also asked that at Big East Media Day. And I mentioned a piece of the quote in one of the pieces that I wrote after that. But he did admit that he's going to play them. There's gonna pl they're going to play more as freshmen than usual than in the past, given the roster makeup. So, you know, just by default, by no choice, we're going to see a lot of freshmen. Just we need to see how those minutes are going to be distributed, who gets what, who gets the bigger piece of the pie, who has to wait their turn. So uh, right now, definitely expect to see freshmen. I can name a couple off the top of my head that I, you know, I can totally see minutes. Like Justin Moore is definitely getting minutes. JRE, definitely getting minutes. Brian Antoine, I would assume once he's back, would get minutes. There's no way. And then 
for Eric Dixon and Chris Archie Diacono, we're going to see where they fit in or, you know, what happens. But those three guys I can definitely see as freshmen getting minutes right away, playing in the rotation, no doubt. Hopefully that answered your question, Alberto. As for that, that's a wrap. Thank you to everyone for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Megaphone, Stitcher. You have so many different platforms, so many different ways to access the podcast. You can even go on viewhoops.com. we got the podcast over there, which reminds me, please check viewhoops.com. We've been pumping out content left and right. I got a preview of the exhibition game on the website right now uh, as we speak. We also have some player preview profiles where we're going by each man, man by man, going through the roster, coming it through, talking about what to expect from each of the players this year. We are now in the sophomore class. We finished all the freshmen, so if you want to look back, please go ahead, look back. But we started off looking at the, the sophomores. We are going in class order, so we will see the older guys towards the end. But please go check that out. Check out our game thread. Check out our game preview. There's going to be a lot of things. I know that everyone's pretty excited. Hopefully, this exhibition game can please a lot of people and hold our appetite at least until November rolls around. In the meantime, please follow VU Hoops on social media. You can do so at VU Hoops, and that's good for Twitter and Instagram. Please follow the pod at S-O-N-N pod on Twitter. And you can follow me, Eugene Repay, at E-Repay5. And I'm Chris Nanzial, still not on social media. Over Nation, have a good day. Have a good weekend. Let's get this dub tomorrow night. Hopefully everyone stays up past their bedtime to catch this, and hopefully we see a lot of good things tomorrow night. In the meantime, have a good one. Take care. Catch you on Tuesday.